Hey, Anna, remember that time a department store created a beloved Christmas character? time in historical podcast i'm your host anna webb and i'm your host amanda webb this is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out on all their favorite moments of history and merry christmas friends <laughs> it's the holiday season <laughs> it is indeed yes time to get festive yeah i'm feeling very festive me very too excited. i'm about i'm about to go to a christmas parade after this is finished <laughs> yes Yes, I've got my tree on mm-hmm. in the corner. I have yes, one behind me that I forgot festive. to plug in before I sat down, and I will not be getting up to do it. <laughs> well, but we're here. Yeah, it's the holiday season. Now, we had kind of ta- toyed around with doing like another holiday special, but instead, we're going to do what we I think we did it last year. We did. We just kind of did a couple of Christmas adjacent topics. Yeah. Um. So that's the plan yes um and here we are to do it now for you together but and before we do that should we do a drink update yeah sure what are you drinking um i'm having a hard cider i was gonna make a festive hot chocolate but i don't have enough dairy-free milk so i didn't (laughs) i am drinking drum roll please water oh (laughs) I wasn't expecting you to do it. I was mostly just saying it to pause while I went to pick it up. Um, and then you did the drum roll and it was great. Well, you prompted it. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Well, even though we don't uh, technically have a hard and fast theme, both of our holiday episodes, I believe, are going to be adjacent to Rudolph, yes. I think. so. Yes. Um, Unless my plan changes at the last minute, but I don't exactly. Think <laughs> um, so I am talking today about Robert L. May, who is the man who wrote the original Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer poem. Yay! Let me tell you about my path of how I got to this gentleman. <laughs> okay, great. I originally was going to do Burl Ives because right. I love Burl Ives. But then as I was reading, I was like, you know, not a lot of his life is really relevant to Christmas outside of the world. He did make iconic Christmas albums and is associated with the season, but not a lot of his life is associated with it. And then I went to the guy who wrote the song Rudolph the Red News Reindeer because he writes a bunch of, he wrote a bunch of Christmas music. We're going to talk about him a little bit today too. And then I, that wasn't, there wasn't enough meat on those bones either. But then I found out that his brother-in-law was the guy who wrote this poem and now we're here. So that was the right. journey. Um, really quite a journey that we went on. <laughs> Also, uh, just for everybody's energy, I feel like I'm going to be so stumbly today because I have been lecturing for a week straight in my classroom, and so I have been talking all day every day, and by this point of the day, I forget how to speak. So Woo-hoo, we're we all go. in great, this is going to be great. We're going to have a great up, time. up, baby, and I've been doing nothing but watching World Cup soccer for two weeks, so I'm a little, my L- brain. A little punchy? Is, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. So yeah. let's go. Let's do it. All right. <laughs> Happy holidays. Robert L. May <laughs> is born on July 27th, 1905 in Long Island, New York. Long Island. Indeed. I don't know why I felt like I did. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. it was just because I was just watching um, a video uh, where Keith Haversberger was in New York and he kept saying, 
I'm New Yorking about it. Yes. Just like my brain. Yeah. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, I, because he's not like a super big public figure, I couldn't find his parents' names. Um, but his parents are secular Jews. Basically, they're just culturally Jewish, not religiously Jewish. Right. Um, and they are members of the Ethical Culture Society who believe that morality is separate from and more important than theology. So hmm. that's the... concept. Yeah, he he grows up pretty religious-free. You know, they don't right. impose very much on his childhood. Uh, he has one brother and two sisters, and... As I was just saying, one of his sisters, Margaret, will later marry the songwriter Johnny Marks. And right. We're going to come on back to Johnny in a little bit. but Right. Uh, he attends Mayflower Elementary School in New Rochelle, New York. Um, and he attends a county day school in Connecticut for a year, but then ends up coming back to New Rochelle to go to high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he graduates in 1922. He studies psychology at Dartmouth College. And while he's at Dartmouth, he encounters the work of the psychologist Alfred Adler, who one of his, he focuses on several things, but one of his focuses is on feelings of belonging in children and how that affects their development. And so this concept will have a pretty big influence on Robert's later works, Mm -hmm. that idea. Uh, He graduates from Dartmouth in 1926. Uh, after he finishes school, he's hired as a copy editor for R.H. Macy and Company, a.k.a. Macy's, the Macy's, right. the Macy's, the Macy's of the Thanksgiving Day Parade and no other fame. <laughs> no, they've never been known for anything else. No, but it's just the parade. So weird yeah. that they sponsored only the parade and it's the only thing they do all year long. <laughs> Where'd they come from even? Who knows? Well, he was a copy editor for them, so that's where they came <laughs> yeah. from. Uh, in 1927, he moves to Omaha, Nebraska, and he works as an advertising manager for J.L. Brandy's and Company Department Store. Um, he had a degree in psychology, but he wanted to be a writer, and so that's why most of his work is advertising and copy editing. Sure. On November 29th, 1928, he marries Evelyn Ruth Heyman in Chicago. They move to Georgia the next year, and then they move back to New York in 1930. They're hopping all over the place. Yeah, my goodness. Um, He works as a sale manager for Butterick Company, but he loses his job two years later because of the Great Depression. Sure. Um, It's when the Depression hits. As you do. Typical. Yeah. Uh, His father, he, his family was pretty decently wealthy growing up. Yeah, I could have guessed that. Yeah. But his father's (laughs) company also closes... Because of the depression, and his family loses most of their wealth, um, so he now doesn't really have anything to fall back on because his he his father owned like a lumber company or something like that, uh, and sure. it went under during the depression, and then he didn't have anything else. Yeah, mm-hmm. he struggles to find a new job for a while. In 1933, he's hired as the advertising manager and copywriter for Gimbel Brothers Department Store in New York. And at the end of 1934, him and his wife have a daughter named Barbara. Um, I know we're really moving, but the, uh, honestly, there's, there's a, yeah. not a ton of detail on this man's life um, outside of the story. So we're right. just mostly working towards the story. This is probably going to be a pretty short episode, but that's okay. That's it's, cool. Such is life. Um in early 1936, he resigns from Gimbel's to move to Chicago 
um, where he takes on a low-paying job as an advertising copywriter for Montgomery Ward. That's the company he starts working for. And he ends up working for Montgomery Ward for the next 24 years of his life. Right. God bless him. (laughs) I cannot imagine working at a department store every day of my life, but that's just me personally. Not for 24 years. No, 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 not no. Not for no, that no, long. No, 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 no. Yeah, exactly. That's what I, that's what I meant. Not for, a, <laughs> In not retail, as a career. Yeah, I've yeah. done that. But. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, as a career, that's what I meant. No. Um, his wife, Evelyn, is working as a full-time social worker. She's also oh, studying. Her. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, she's also studying at Columbia University's New York School of Social Work, you know, when they were in New York, um, and teaching part-time at Northwestern University. And then in early 1939, which is also, you know, the beginning of World War II, so that's in the background (laughs) of uh, some of this story. Cheery. Yeah. Very cheery time. Yeah, this is is kind of a sad story, so buckle (laughs) up just a little bit. Turn on Um, your sad Christmas music. Yeah, big time. Get ready. In early 1939, Robert is asked by his bosses at Montgomery Ward to write a Christmas story for the company to give out as a gift to shoppers during the Christmas season. Love that. So, like, every year they buy a coloring book and they give yes. that out. And that's, it, they weren't the only ones to do this. It was like, here's no, your gift for popular. shopping with us at our, yeah. for department stores. But they decide this year, instead of, like, reselling something, they want to create something new um, to give out to their customers. Um, they, this quote says they request for it to be a cheery children's book for Christmas shoppers, suggesting it should be an animal story with a character like Ferdinand the Bull. Ah. Um, because Disney had just released their movie of Ferdinand at this point, so it's very popular. So he agrees to write the story. Now, here is the sad part. Oh, boy. At the time that he agrees to write the story his wife is dying of cancer oh and they're in debt trying to pay for her medical bills oh that is sad Mm -hmm. i actually have a lot of quotes from him um because he did an article in the late seven or he did an interview in the late 70s about all of this so i i actually have a lot of quotes from may for this so it says um i was heavily in debt at the age of 35 still grounding out catalog Copy. Instead of writing the great American novel, as I'd always hoped, I was describing men's white shirts. <laughs> oh, that is depressing. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you enjoy doing that, then it's not depressing. But if it's not what you want to be doing, it's pretty depressing while yeah. you're also going through a lot of awful stuff. Yeah. Um. So they're, they're going through a rough time. He picks this up because he, you know, will make a little extra money on it. And at least sure. it's a creative outlet a little yeah little did he know little did more he know like, haha more like it yeah um he start. he decides to write a, the story about a reindeer right sure. um they're already well es- established as christmas figures because of the poem a visit from saint nicholas there are you know there's a named eight reindeer I was, I thought about talking about that poem. That's instead funny. Instead of my other topic. So that's what I'm waffling between now. Interesting. Well, still, they <laughs> we'll go together. We'll talk yeah. about it at the end. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, A Visit from St. Nicholas becomes Twas the Night Before Christmas. Yes. Just in case anybody didn't right. know that. This is what names the eight reindeer, right? Right. Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid. Donder and Blitzen. Thank you so much. Hey, you're welcome. Hey, by the way, it is Donder. Yes. It drives me bonkers when people say Donner. Donner. I get it, 
but it's not right. <laughs> no, the, the tier's name is Donder. How do I know? I had to memorize this poem, ladies and gentlemen. I had to memorize it in the eighth grade, I think. Do you know? Or maybe what, ninth grade. It was hard. Do you know what I found the other day? Hmm. From when you had to memorize and recite that and present it, the drawings I did of the story for you to use for your presentation. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so here's the backstory. Sorry, we're going to get sidetracked for a minute here. That's okay. When I was in, it, I think it must have been my freshman year of high school, I had to recite this poem um, for my English class. and we, But we all had to do like a presentation. Like it, you didn't just stand up there and recite the poem. You had to do a whole thing. Mm-hmm. My fr- One of my friends dressed up as Santa and mm-hmm. came like he walked around school all day as Santa <laughs> or at least part of the day I don't remember if he did the whole day but it was very funny and I had I don't know why this was the decision but you drew some illustrations for it. I drew I drew a page I did one for every page that you could hold up and do yeah I don't remember why we decided that I don't either I can't draw so I don't even know where the idea came from but I guess I was just like I'll use my little sister for my homework yeah it was um it was an interesting time yeah but i do still know the whole thing yep anyway i'm so sorry it's okay um so there you know reindeer are already a figure and also um his four-year-old daughter loves the deer at the lincoln park zoo oh, I love that. so you know he, he has something to go off of um i'm gonna read a quote that is from a time article about the story of how Rudolph was written just because it gives a lot of information about like how he came up with the name of the character and where the story idea came from and all this stuff. So I'm going to read through this. Um, Though Santa's reindeer already had names, May came up with a ninth for the list. He brainstormed a list of names that began with the letter R for alliterative purposes. So some of his other options were Rolo, Rodney, Roland, Roderick, and Reggie. <laughs> Roderick the red-nosed reindeer. Yeah, exactly. Roland the red-nosed reindeer. <laughs> There's actually a list of all of his original uh, ideas and a bunch of other like papers that were his notes for this story that are on display like at Dartmouth. Oh, sure. Um, in a 1963 interview, he said he thought Rolo sounded, quote, too happy for a reindeer with an unhappy problem. <laughs> and Reginald seemed too sophisticated. I would agree there. But Rod- Rudolph, quote, rolled off the tongue nicely. Yeah, um, I would agree. I agree. I, I find it kind of funny that they that he chose a very German sounding name right at mm. the start of World War II. But, you know, it wasn't. Intentional. Uh, it also wasn't on America's door quite yet, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, was, and I don't know that a lot, not necessarily everybody would make that connection. No, I just know? was thinking about it. But it is interesting. <laughs> yeah. As for the idea of a glowing red nose apt for navigating, that light bulb moment came from looking out his office window in the middle of one of Chicago's infamous winter days, oh. seeing the fog from Lake Michigan, Michigan and thinking of Santa trying to do his work on such a night. So that's where the idea comes from. But then also, I thought this was very interesting. The idea almost got shelved, May would note, after a focus group participant said that they thought the red nose had connotations of alcoholism. Well, that's not unfair. Right. (laughs) Um, I never thought of that. But then when you said that, I was like, oh. It works out that the artist's rendition make it very 
far from that like caricature. Yeah, it's like a it's like a beacon. It, it like looks a, like a light yes. bulb, not it's like not a reddened like, nose. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They exactly. make it big and round instead of a nose of an actual deer That's to very interesting. distinguish it. Um, that's but not I thought I ever would have thought of. That's so interesting. Yeah, I thought that was so fascinating that like we almost didn't have that story because of that comment. Yeah, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have gotten as famous if not for the red nose. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so he works on the story at home and during his spare time in the office. One one thing I read said that it ends up taking him only about. I say only, but a total of about like 50 hours to write the story That's across the amount of time when he just sits down and, and yeah. does it. Um, he reads passages to his daughter as he finishes them. So another quote for him, from him was, she was my guinea pig. I ran the words on for on her for size. <laughs> she's four. She's, you know, sure. roughly the target, the target audience. audience. Yeah. Of course. Um, but then as he's working on the story, his wife Evelyn dies on July 28th, 1939. Um, his bosses offer to relieve him of writing the poem, um, but he decides he wants to finish it, so he keeps working on it. I would think she probably would have wanted him to Yeah, she was a... Especially a, since their kid is invested. Like, yeah, and, you know, she was a social worker, so the yeah. story, I feel, is relevant for her, and... Totally. We were talking uh, earlier about that psychologist that had a big influence on him. He, yeah. he, he talked a lot, and Robert talked a lot in his life about how that story um resonated with him and with other people of just feeling left on the outside and excluded but then having the victory of the happy ending you know Mm -hmm. um so he finishes writing the poem in late august um another quote from him about the day he finishes writing i called barbara and her grandparents into the living room and read it to them in their eyes, I could see that the story accomplished what I had hoped. Hmm. So, it's very sweet. Yeah. Um, the book is distributed as a soft cover, you know, little story, yeah. uh, to Montgomery Ward shoppers in late 1939 during the shopping season. Uh, over 2.4 million copies are distributed, and the story is, like, incredibly well-received and well-loved as yeah. the character starts coming about this is what happens when you make children's stories widely available to children yeah yeah (laughs) they didn't have to go out and buy this book like even if they went to the department store and didn't purchase anything they were gonna get this book Mm -hmm. that makes a difference Mm -hmm. absolutely um robert we'll talk more about rudolph here in a second but just a little Mm -hmm. segue for his life uh, Robert remarries on May 29th, 1941 to Virginia Newton, and they'll end up having five children together. Joanna, Christopher, Virginia, Martha, and Elizabeth. Wow. Yeah. Um, restrictions on paper use during World War II means that the book doesn't get to get published again until mm. uh, the 1946 Christmas season. Yeah, wow. Um, and Montgomery Ward ends up giving out another 3.6 million copies. Wow. Because people loved it when it came when it first came out, people loved it, and then they couldn't get it for a while, and so when they redistribute right. it again, it becomes popular all over again, and again, yeah. people love the book. Um, Montgomery Ward, the company owned the rights for the poem, but they end up giving the rights to Robert completely free and clear um, after the nineteen forty six shopping season. Wow. I think probably due to the conditions of when he wrote it, that it was like... 
maybe, but I mean, it, that's not a given. No, it's not. Right? Like, um, that's actually pretty impressive that yeah, they were just I like, think, yeah, sure. I think the fact that he had worked for the company for so long and had gone through what he gone through sure. when he wrote but it again, and stuff like that. most corporations would not do that. Right. So, good. Good for them. Yeah. So, Robert officially gets the rights on January 1st, 1947. He starts looking then for a publisher for the story because he's having, it's really, really popular. Like, um, but he's not making money. Off people it. are, well, he's getting some royalties for it, but not but what not he as would much get. As if, if he were just like the author of a book. Exactly. Um, but people are starting to make toys of the character and people are offering to do, a um, a recording of the poem, like a reading Which of the poem. Which he should get all the money from exactly. because he owns the story. And he yeah. and he couldn't do that until he got the rights to the story. Like right. the Montgomery Ward wouldn't release for that kind of stuff. So that he's waiting until he gets the story. But also, he now wants to publish it as a book because of course. he owns the rights. Now he can make some money on it. Um, but it's kind of hard for him to find someone willing to publish it because there's already... Millions of copies available yeah. around the around the country. People don't. It's not in super high demand because it's already well received. Sure, but people in other countries don't have it. Come on, guys, think. Exactly. Um. Again, a quote from from Robert. Nobody wanted him. Not with six million copies already distributed. Finally, I found a publisher, a little guy with a big nose, who said he knew what it was like for Rudolph and was willing to take a chance on a printing, Aww. which I thought was very sweet. Um, the guy's name is Harry Elbaum, and he is the head of Maxton Publishers, and he takes the story and publishes it for the 1947 Christmas season. And it's one of those situations where it's like, man, all you people who turned him down don't know what you're missing out on. Seriously. It's like, he, turn, it's like turning down the Beatles, you know? Yep. Yep. Here, here comes one of the biggest... Here comes the sensation. Yeah. yeah. Rudolph himself. <laughs> the big man. Exactly. The big deer on campus, mm-hmm. as they say. What? I'm sorry. I'm really tired. <laughs> this is quite the episode. <laughs> we are both scattered. I can't talk. A lot's oh, going on. A lot's going it's, on. Amanda, we've had worse. We have indeed. You're not <laughs> wrong. Um, They print 100,000 copies initially, hardcover of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sold for 50 cents, sure. and it was very successful. Um, RCA gets the rights to do a voice recording of it, uh, right. f- uh, narrated by Paul Wing and they put music under it, you know, mm-hmm. and then people start making stuffed reindeer toys and picture puzzle books and slippers and it becomes, was he making money off of that or were people yeah. just going rogue and making it? I believe he was. I think okay. he gets royalties for all the stuff well, that gets made. Well, you would think so, but yeah. you never know with oh, that I'm kind of thing. certain people were going wild on it and doing that anyway, but he does make some money. Okay, he, he makes money off of the As character. As so. it's not everybody starts going rogue and making this toy and he right. can't get Well, the fact that he gets his own publisher makes it easier because mm-hmm. now he owns the rights to the story and to the character. And he probably so. has an agent by that time. Or, or, or at least something. as an agent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In 1948, Robert asks his brother-in-law Johnny Marks to write the, the words. Yes, y- yes um, to write the words and music for a musical adaptation of the story. So he takes oh. the poem and he turns it into a song. Um, 
the song originally gets turned down by Bing Crosby and Dinah Shore. Oh, you fools. Yeah. But it's finally recorded in 1949 by the singing cowboy, <laughs> Gene Autry. Um, his wife persuades him to do of it. Of course. Yeah. Um, and it becomes incredibly successful, right? A whole yeah. new wave of popularity for the character. Um, it ends up getting recorded by a bunch of famous people over the years, like Mitch Miller, Dean Martin, Perry Como, and eventually Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby. Yeah. Right. Um, it is the second most popular Christmas song of all time. Second only to White Christmas. Yeah. Well, kids love it. Yeah. Kids love you know, it. You can't be in a house at Christmas with a family that celebrates Christmas that has kids and not be hearing that song right. all the time. And kids love it. You know, you can't say no to a story song. It's very, it's it, yes, beloved, totally. you know. With um, triumph at the end? Come on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's great for little kids to learn how to sing a song because the yes. thing is repeating. It's very popular in elementary schools. Like it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, this, it's, and it's secular. Yes. So it's a secular Christmas song. So kids who aren't hearing like the religious Christmas songs are going to be listening to this. Yeah. yeah it, it appeals more widely. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this character that he wrote for a one-off pu- a gift department from a department store, store yeah. <laughs> now becomes like as famous as Santa Claus. He's a, he's inseparable. From he he is a part of Christmas lore, you know. He's like a we part have of now, Santa's lore. Yeah, culturally, yeah. we as people across the world have a set of Christmas lore that we subscribe to, and of course, it changes from culture to culture. But by yes. and large, there's a handful that kind of go across most yep. of them. When you are watching Santa on the NORAD tracker on Christmas Eve. They show Rudolph leading the way with his red nose. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. he he is as famous as the reindeer, the, the rest of the reindeer. and More famous. No, more He's famous. more famous than the rest. Everybody knows Rudolph. Not everybody knows all the other ones' names. Exactly. They can't remember them. Ask them. They can't remember them all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is, enters popular culture, you know? During the 50s. More than a hundred different Rudolph products are licensed and produced, right? Um, and managing this character M- enterprise it becomes yeah. like a full time job. So Robert May creates Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer Enterprises in 1951, and he resigns from Wards. Well, um, sure. <laughs> yeah, he, he's a little he's, bigger than the department store. He's now. got something. Yeah. Um, by 1958, though, sales had declined a good bit. And uh, he's earned a lot of money from this character, but again, now it's starting to go down. And like federal income taxes for individuals are different for from companies, and so yep. he's not making as much as he had been before. So he has to quit that company less than seven years later um, because it's just not making enough money. It is a popular and continuously popular character, but it's not consistently making enough money for him to be his full-time job, right? right. Yeah. Um, With, like, however many freaking kids now. Yeah, <laughs> six children, yeah. yeah. Um, so he ends up going back towards as a copy editor um, with this quote I really liked, reminding them of the company policy, Wards will take anything back. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's funny. Which is just great. Um, and he ends up staying and working for Wards until he retires in 1970. Mm. He ends up writing two sequels for Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yes. Uh, the first one is called Rudolph's Second Christmas. That one um, I know of. It was recorded as a phonograph album also, yeah. written by Paul Ring. It's mostly um, written as prose instead yeah. of the poem like the first original one was. Um, it actually doesn't appear as a book until 1992, which is after Robert May had died. Um, and it later gets republished as Rudolph to the Rescue. And then the second sequel is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Shines Again. Hmm. And it's published in 1954. Um, and it, a prose adaptation of the original story gets published as a little golden book in 1958. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I know the little golden book. Yeah. Yes, That's not, I it's not picture the it poem. It expands on the poem. Yes, I can see the cover in my head. <laughs> yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, Robert May also pu- publishes several other children's books. Uh, Benny the Bunny Liked Beans, which is great. <laughs> I love that. Um, Winking Willie and Sam the Scaredest Scarecrow, which is adorable. He loves, he loves the alliteration. Uh-huh. None of them get as famous as Rudolph, but they well, all also deal with the same problems that Rudolph deals with of, sure. you know, feeling unwanted and whatever. Uh, it gets adapted to film several different times. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not putting the whole list because there are so many no. of them. Um, but obviously, most famously, is the Rankin and Bass stop motion movie, um, which is the longest running television special in American history. Yes. Which is wild. When Michael tries to cancel Christmas on The Office, Jim says, will they still air Rudolph? <laughs> Um, just some other facts about Robert May. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a very accomplished bridge player Ooh. and a big f- sports fan. Uh, he was a ghostwriter for the nationally syndicated bridge columnist, Milton Seawork. Bridge columnist? Yes. Wow. Um, he liked bowling and golf. Uh, I liked this. Uh, and growing 15 foot tall tomato plants <laughs> that reached the second story of his house. The tomatoes weighed as much as two pounds. Two pounds? They're mostly water. (laughs) Oh my God, that's a big tomato. Incredible. Um, He works on planning and writing the City of Chicago's Community Fund campaign in 1941, 42, and 45. He's very involved in his community. Uh, He's a member of the Optimism Club of Evanston, which I find delightful. Um, and volunteered his time to the Evanston Council of the Boy Scouts of America and other, you know, organizations like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, his second wife, Virginia, dies on April 7th, 1971. She was a devout Catholic, and he had actually been working on converting to Catholicism for a while mm-hmm. and ends up officially converting to Catholicism the year after she dies. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I find it so interesting that a man born Jewish... Mm-hmm. Wrote one of the most famous Christmas characters of all yeah. time and then converted to Catholicism. <laughs> what, raised secular. S- raised secular, yeah. Born yeah. Jewish, raised secular, converted to Catholicism. Um, on July 25th, he marries Virginia's sister, Claire, which is kind of oh, gross, but you know. I hate that. Wow, I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> um, he dies in Evanston, Illinois on August 11th. 19- Sorry. 
Did I, you just say Illinois? I was reading it really fast, <laughs> and I was really hoping you just weren't going to say anything. Are you kidding and me? I didn't mean I to going. say that. I was just reading it and going too fast because my brain is tired. Of course I was going to say something. Come on. Anyway, he dies from one? on August 11th, 1976. Um, he's interned at St. Joseph's Cemetery in River Grove, Illinois. And I was telling my partner, Sawyer, <laughs> that I was doing this. I didn't want to forget about it. Listen. You but know. Okay, I was ahead. doing this topic, and they told me a very funny joke. Your and note just says, joke from Sawyer. Because I didn't want to forget end. about it. Um, <laughs> and that. also then uh, Sawyer thought it would be funny for them to look up um, a joke about every topic that we do from now on, and that we do a joke from Sawyer as a okay. segment. So okay. if you're interested in that, um, Sawyer is available for jokes. I love that. Um, but here is Sawyer's joke relevant to our topic, our, okay. our very first joke from Sawyer. Okay. A couple is walking in St. Petersburg Square on Christmas Eve. They feel a slight precipitation. I think it's raining, says the man. I think it's snowing, says the woman. How about we ask the this communist officer here? He's always right, exclaims the man. Oh, boy. Officer Rudolph, is it raining or snowing? Definitely raining, Officer Rudolph replies before walking off. The man turns to his wife with a smile. See? Rudolph the Red knows rain, dear. Wow. <laughs> this is really dumb. I like it a lot. Wow. <laughs> it's a great joke. Rudolph the Red. Rudolph the Red knows rain, that dear. Is, wow. Silly, goofy. <laughs> Delightful. Oh, boy. We need, a, we, we need a title for this segment, like a catchy title. You know? Oh yeah, well, we'll think, think we'll think it. on it. We'll think <laughs> on it. But that was our our first uh, joke from Sawyer Joe, um, which is a half decent title for it. Yeah, but maybe we'll think good. of something fun. Um, please feel free to tell them how you enjoyed that. I loved it um, personally. I'm biased, but you know. Now I feel like we've missed a lot of good jokes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that. yeah, that's the that's the story of Robert May. Um, and, and Rudolph, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Red-Nosed Reindeer. Mm-hmm. That's great. Thanks. It's very festive, although sad. Yeah. <laughs> in some respects. But, but it works out for him, which is always totally. pleasant. And I love that. it's Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> yes, it is. Merry Christmas if you celebrate Christmas. Sorry, this was and a short you episode. You know what? Merry Christmas anyway, because yeah. it's just fun. Um, Christmas is a state of mind, man. <laughs> All right. Well, that was great. Um, I think, okay, so next week, my plan is to talk about Rankin Bass, mm-hmm. um, which obviously was mentioned in this episode. Um, my backup plan is to talk about the poem that right. we discussed earlier. So we'll see. It'll be one of those two things, depending on how much I can dig up. Um, but we're going to stick with this kind of theme. Um, and then, hey, then it will be the new year. Isn't that wild? I, I know. I cannot believe, believe it. it. I can't believe it. Yeah. So here we are at the end of another holiday episode, and I can't <laughs> believe it's almost um, almost Christmas for real it's, and almost New Year. I'm like, yeah, almost I'm almost New Year is really what's messing with me. Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so I don't know what the New Year episodes will bring, but at least we've got an idea for next time. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we'll take what we can get. Yeah, we'll take what we can get. Um, but if anybody has any recommendations for topics that they'd like to hear in the new year, we would love to receive those. Um, you can send those to us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. 
Um, you can also still find us on Twitter because Twitter's still kicking. Just um, just dragging <laughs> its feet along. Yep. You can find us at RTT Pod. But if it goes down, we're also on Instagram <laughs> under the same name. And we are on Facebook. We're not as active there, but it is there. Uh-huh. Um, just search the name and we will pop up. Um and we would really love it if you would leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast. Hey, here's another reminder. We're on Spotify. Um, hey, maybe we'll be on somebody's Spotify raft next year. That would be oh cool. Oh my gosh, that would be uh, so nice. I don't think that would happen. But I don't think we have a big enough backlog for that to happen. No, but that would be lovely. That would be cool. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so please leave us a rating and review. Um, and if you want to find me on the internet, I am at the real Anna Webb. And I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. Oh, I feel like I was just talking a lot. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've been talking a lot for a week straight. Um, I am. <laughs> wow. I can't, I'm. I'm done with where I got home and I went. Oh, I now have to go and continue <laughs> to talk for a while. Yesterday I got home. I didn't talk to anybody all evening. I was like, I can't. Words are gone from my mouth. Um, well, well, now I, you can take a break. Yeah, you don't have yeah. to do the next one. Yeah, yeah. Also, I'm not lecturing anymore, but oh, oh boy. By the end of today, was I really just, just fumbling my way. (laughs) So we picked a really good time to record. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, despite all that, (laughs) until next time. Remember that time.